What is nutrition? Certainly, it's one of the hottest topics of our time. I've seen in my professional career over the last 15 to 20 years that what we put in our body has become an increasingly interesting topic, a very passionate topic for so many people. And with the growth of streaming technologies like Netflix, Hulu, things of that nature, there's more access to documentaries telling us what we should eat, how it affects us. For me, I wanted to talk to somebody who studied nutrition, who understands the science behind it, who understands what's good research and what may not be the most accurate research, and to have an intelligent conversation about it. I know a lot of my listeners are in the nutritional field or they're very passionate about it. So I think this is a chance to listen in on two people discussing kind of the finer points of nutrition and uh, culture and how we view it and the science aspect of it as well and working with clients related to it. So I'm happy to introduce to you guys Kayla Hulsebus, who uh, I think is really interesting and has a lot of good things to say about uh, nutrition and where we're going with it. So without further ado, Kayla Hulsebus. Okie dokie. Well, we are live now. Uh, Kayla, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for taking the time to speak with me and uh, to have a, a, I believe is going to be a fun conversation. Absolutely. I'm super excited. I am actually from Minnesota, so the snow has finally stopped. So good news was I was able to do the podcast today because I wasn't snowed in. <laughs> I mean, you sound like you're from Minnesota. You got that Minnesota, the twang, you know, the, uh, it's like soda, Minnesota. <laughs> of course. You're like, okay, I hear that all the time. It's fine. <laughs> I heard it when I, um, I did my dietetic internship down in Dallas, Texas, and everyone from the South would always make fun of me, and they'd always say, I know exactly where you're from. You don't have to tell me you're not from here. So I right, right. connect with the people and down there. And you think they sounded funny? I mean, <laughs> yeah, they had a Southern accent. I'm like, well, you guys sound kind of funny to me, but you know, it's life. Yeah, exactly. So tell me a little bit about your passion for dietetics. Like, why'd you get into it? So my passion for dietetics really um, came along when I actually was a college athlete. So I played two years of college basketball and basketball was my life. In college, it was very different from a standpoint of what we were fed. So a lot of times what we were fed before our games was a lot of fast food, Subway, Taco Bell, Pizza Ranch. I wouldn't say that they were the best food options. And so I got super passionate about uh, more so the sports nutrition and how can we make sure um, that we are fueling our athletes properly to not only perform, but also recover. I saw a lot of my teammates have very poor diets, a lot of donuts and cakes and cookies, and that's fine because they're athletes, they can burn it off, but I really saw it in their recovery time, whereas I was more health conscious. I wouldn't say I ate perfect, but mm -hmm. I was um, less injuries, better performance, better energy, all of that stuff. So that kind of got the ball rolling for me. How did your... Um... You know, it's interesting. I was a collegiate athlete as well. And I wonder how, when you're in, what were the mindsets of the coaches? You know, a lot of times coaches are, their mindsets about training and the actual technique of the sport. What was their ideas about nutrition during that time? Yeah. And I think what it really boiled down to for the coaches was their budget. You know, they get so much for everything. I remember going on road trips when I was at my junior or my JUCO college and we would literally get like an allowance, like, Hey, you get a hundred dollars for the weekend or whatever. I don't remember what cost it was, but we got a certain amount of money and that was our choice, how we wanted to spend it. So a lot of it came back to the schools didn't have the funding to always be giving us the top stuff or they didn't know how to budget to make sure that we were getting the top stuff. 
Yeah, we had the same thing. I mean, we would, I mean, we would go on, um, you know, you're talking about two or three day meets for track and field. Mm-hmm. So we would get a certain amount of money per day mm-hmm. um, during that time. And, you know, nobody was like getting it and like going, I think I'm going to eat really like healthy when I get it. It was like, you know, fried chicken and stuff and it was fast food. And then when you're 20, 18, 22, I mean, it's very difficult to know what to do, you know. Yeah. And I think even during my internship, I got the really cool opportunity to work with a college um, down in Dallas um, with their sports dietitian. And I think sports dietetics has really evolved. So I got to work with her at a D1 college. um, And what we did was we were able to um, make protein shakes and have healthy snacks. And based on each player, my sports dietitian knew exactly what player, if they were bulking, if they were cutting, what exact shake she needed for them. And I think that resource wasn't even available for me when my career was there, but I think it's come a long way and schools are getting more and more access and we're learning so much more about how nutrition, no matter how hard you train, if you don't feel your body properly, that really impacts a lot of different aspects of your life. So true. It's, um, I find as kind of, um, I want, I want to say a recreational exerciser now. Mm-hmm. After all these years, 20-something years. I haven't been in college in like 22 years or something like that. <laughs> and um, I think a lot more about how, you know, as an athlete, I thought, okay, I'm going to prepare and prepare, and I'm going to be ready for these meets. And the nutrition part was not really a thing mm-hmm. uh, for most of But now, like as a recreational exerciser, I think much more about that. But then I see other recreational exercisers, you know, and there's really no preparation generally for coming in to work out and, and um, for performance. I don't think we always look at our workouts as performance when we're recreational uh, exercisers, you know, we're like, I just go in there and do stuff, you know? Right. Right. And I think even for that recreational, more, you know, fun sort of exercise, people forget about like, as they age, how much more important it becomes. A lot of times as you're younger, when you're adolescent or you're in college, you're resilient. Like you can fight back so easy, but as you age, like now I've kind of transitioned into my passion of more. So I love sports nutrition. I always love working with athletes, but my thing is how do I teach people, empower, educate people to make healthy decisions for not only like feeling their performance, but just healthy living and aging because good nutrition can be the difference between feeling like you're aging 10 years and feeling like, Hey, I feel like I'm 20 and I'm really 40. Yeah. Well, what's the, when you're um, going through your education, um, especially formal education in college, what was the, what did you learn that was like a big aha moment for you through that? And what did you learn that you were like, maybe I'm disappointed that I know this (laughs) now? Yeah. So I think the biggest aha moment for me really came specifically um, in my master's. So um, in my master's program, we did something called a class called um, genetics, and it was nutritional genetics and genomics. Mm -hmm. And that was like a, oh my gosh, moment, how it gets really, really compli- complicated, but it's super fascinating with how your genes are expressed and how you can change your gene expression to do things that you want it to do. Now, obviously, you do have gene mutations, which mutations you can't change, but you do have control over. It's called epigenetics, and based on lifestyle factors, you can change how they are expressed. And I think that was like an aha moment to me. Like we have control over our lifestyle. We have control over what we can and cannot do, which ultimately determines our health road. Yeah, certain things we can't change, but a lot of it, we have the ability to change. And so that was one of the things that I found super fascinating, I think, even kind of going into my career now, I think genetics is going to play a huge role in the future as we learn more about genes, how they're expressed, what they mean um, in relationship to how our health is 
long term. Was there anything that you learned and you were like, it's disappointing to know, or just the reality of certain things that maybe as you're going through it, you're like, oh man, well, I guess it's just how it is type of thing, you know? Yeah, I would say overall, you know, as you go through your education, my my parents always kind of laugh about this, but when you know so much about food, sometimes it's so hard to let go, you know, because I know looking at a plate, I know approximately I could be within probably about 50 calories and really close in the macronutrients. And so sometimes I even just work with my clients. So that's one of the things that's like, gosh, this is really hard. But some things that I sometimes I try to work with my clients is not only focusing on those specifics, but giving yourself that freedom and being able to be okay with, hey, my body wants this long as it's healthy sometimes we get so fixated on now it's the whole revolution of macro you have to does it fit within your macro are you within this but sometimes it it kind of runs your life and still being able to be healthy but enjoy those moments and hey I'm gonna have a little Christmas cookie that's my great-grandmother's recipe and being okay with that instead of saying, oh, this doesn't fit my macros or I know it has this. Sometimes just letting go and being able to enjoy those things is really important for lifelong balance. Totally. Did you get a lot of uh, education on like uh, behavioral nutrition or the psychology of nutrition? So um, I would say if I had a recommendation for dietetics for their schooling, if I had to do it all over again, I would say one of the biggest parts of my job is nutritional counseling and working through behavior changes. And especially with my current job as a health coach at E Squared Health, we really focus on habit changes and those behavior changes and small behavior changes. It is so very challenging to change people's mindset and so working with people to get them to connect the dots, but also get something that's going to be consistent and realistic for them is super important. And I don't think that dietitians in their traditional schooling, it might have changed since I went, but mm -hmm. I think we need a lot of psychology background. I will say the one class I did have um, as far as that behavioral piece of it was an eating disorder class. But, you know, that gets kind of dicey because I would say everyone has some type of disordered eating. Most people do. It might not be severe. Mm -hmm. some, everybody has that food psychology because, believe it or not, we have to eat to live. <laughs> we don't have a choice not to eat. So we need to be able to learn and adapt and know what to eat that's right for our body. And so that psychology piece and our mindset is so, so important. And you know what, so I asked that because I think it's often an area in exercise and nutrition that is drastically undertaught in mm -hmm. many programs. I mean, even in your kind of your exercise science, kinesiology programs, uh, there's very few classes devoted to the kind of the psychosocial element of yeah, those things. Background, do you have in personal training, that type of thing? Did you get any sort of health coaching psychology piece to it I think I had to, I had to search it out like it wasn't like it was a main portion of my mm -hmm. education I mean you're talking about back in the 90s when mm -hmm. I'm late 90s mm -hmm. and um, you know there was exercise psychology courses but I, I actually sought out like basic counseling courses and things of that nature mm -hmm. so that I would be able to understand how people behaved and why they did things that they did. And as I went on and I got my doctorate, that was more focused in behavior modification and uh, creating interventions. So I had a good experience with that, but I, I really had to seek it out. It wasn't like it was a huge part of the standard curriculum. I My electives and things of that nature, I really focused on that. And in and my practice, in almost 20 years of being in practice, I found the psychological, the psychosocial piece to be the most important aspect of what I do, the mm -hmm. technical aspect of understanding adaptations, chronic acute adaptations, hormone levels and all that, it's fine, 
but um, I felt the, the psychological aspect is what has given me the most success and knowing that with people. Absolutely. And I think even kind of going back to your question of, I think it really also depends like where you're in in dietetics. Cause I'll tell you clinical dietetics, you don't use that psychosocial as much as mm-hmm. it, like the coaching aspect and weight loss and that type of thing. Cause typically in the, in the clinical setting, you're going, you're seeing a patient, they're in there for, you know, maybe two, three days, depending on where you're at. But, you know, if you go back to the health coaching, like what I'm in right now, that is a ton, a ton of habit changes, looking into the mind, what are their goals, how do they think, how do they process things, um, how do they view themselves, it gets into a whole different realm, and, and it's something that's super important to actually, like, learn about your clients is how do they think, what do they think, how does their mind process things so that you can really know how to best support them and help them. What do you think the obsession is with weight loss? I'm sure you see this quite a bit and it's constantly about weight loss. What is that? So weight loss is really interesting to me. And I think one of the reasons why weight loss is valued or wanted in so many people is the fact of the, how media, social media plays a role into everything. And I think a lot of people get these unrealistic views or wants or desires that they're supposed to look a certain way, feel a certain way, have abs, have whatever that they value. But I think it's completely shifted from people always wanting to lose weight to get to that perfect body because they want to be able to have that said about them. But I think especially what's been super important to me and in my field working with e-squared health is we have a 3d body scanner and it's called a styku and i think in the health and wellness world we need to transition more away from the scale and transition into body composition because i always tell my clients that's great if you want to be a certain weight but let me give you the scenario of your weight is up by an extra 10 pounds, but that extra 10 pounds is muscle and you have less fat? Or would you rather be 10 pounds less, have 10 pounds more of fat mass because you're not feeling your body enough and have less muscle? And I think people get into this misconception of because you weigh more, it's a bad thing, but that's not always the case. You can gain weight and it can be good weight. It can be muscle mass. That, that's the first thing to go as you age. Right. So what do you think when you're speaking with people, how are you helping them transition out of this, this behavioral aspect of like they come to you? I mean, it happens with me. And I'm sure a lot of professionals, what are your goals? What do you want to work on? This whole thing. I want to lose weight. I really want to be the weight I was when I was, you know, 22. Mm-hmm. What's, what is the shift that when you're talking with people, how do you start the process of moving them beyond just the body composition, which is great. What are the other things you're doing to help them understand that there's a different way to look at this equation? Yeah. And I think the biggest approach that I use in my coaching is looking at more than just the body composition and the weight. From month to month, what we do is we assess your autonomics, so through your stress, so basically how much blood you have pumping can help us determine how much stress is going into your body. Are you getting stronger? So we use a strength test. We use the 3D body scanner. We use a questionnaire. So what I try to work with my clients is not only just seeing that body composition, but let's evaluate all the other areas of your life, specifically relate them back to your goals. Hey, you told me you wanted to lose body fat, but you also told me you wanna improve your energy. So if we're improving our energy, our body comp doesn't necessarily go as fast as we want, but we're still moving towards our goals. Or people come with me, I wanna increase my, my strength. Well, hey, 
let's have the science behind that. If you gain more muscle, your weight is likely maybe not going to decrease always. It might go up before we see it go down if we're doing things right. So I think explaining that there's different ways to measure success. And I've had plenty of clients come to me and say, you know, be a little bit disappointed with their results. But they say, Mm -hmm. hey, you know what? Like, I improved my strength. My autonomics improved. My sleep improved. So helping them to see the big picture is one of my major goals. It's not just about one thing. I support their goals if that's their major goal, but also recognizing the other wins. Is there a discussion that you're having about sleep? Because I feel like we're we're really starting to understand, even though we all do it uh, to varying levels, of the tremendous importance of sleep and nutrition and the, the relationship between the two. Yeah, sleep is so, so important. And the reason for that is different sleep cycles repair different things in your body. So the first sleep cycle and the second sleep cycle, they one repairs your body and the second one repairs your mind. So I always tell people, a lot of people get super down on themselves, like, gosh, I'm having these cravings or I can't, I, I can't stop eating or whatever it may be. But that can directly correlate to, hey, I got like four hours of sleep last night. Your body's in that super tired mode. And hey, to keep you awake, guess what you need? You need fuel, which is, hey, that's probably why you're having the sugar cravings. But the I would say the hardest part to point that out for people is to having them make that change is really hard. Because some people are just night owls and they, they like to stay up late at night. But helping them to connect the dots to see the value is super, super important. And not only to control your, you know, day to day, but also your recovery. You know, sleep is one of the best times when you repair your muscles. And if you can't have that, if you can't repair your body, how are you going to get up the next day and live your fullest? Well, I've seen that. um, I've done a lot of uh, reading on sleep research and, you know, chatting with some sleep scientists and things of that nature. I think it's probably one of our bigger problems. You know, we talk about obesity and, you know, lack of uh, daily exercise uh, recommendations, but I think we're starting to see that possibly sleep may be the foundation that exercise and nutrition has to stand on. And what what is scary is that people are getting less and less sleep every year, mm-hmm. all the time. It's not trending. You know what's weird? I feel like a lot of these things, we know they're good. We like literally know they're good, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem like we're trending in the right direction on these things. Yeah. And Darian, I think it all goes back to, you know, the thing that's missing is that self-care piece. Like we are so caught up in all of the stuff of life, whether it's our kids or Mm -hmm. it's our work or it's events, or we just forget to solely remember that we have to value ourselves. And we get so caught up in pulling ourselves in a million directions that we can't slow down and say, hey, I'm not going to go to that holiday event because I'm exhausted. I'd rather go get some more sleep. Well, we can't say no, which then helps. It just does not help us at all. I don't know if you have any insight to that with your clients and self-care and that type of realm. Yeah, you know what's interesting? I, I have such a good relationship with my clients. And so we talk about these things. We talk about research and science and related to all these subjects, nutrition, sleep, exercise. And what I'm finding is I'm starting to build just through my own clientele kind of a profile of the type of people who are willing to sleep more, have a a better approach to food and who are very consistent with their exercise. What I've found out from my just very observational data is that these people are very similar people. They, they are literally extremely type A people. They have, they have made these aspects of their life non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. They are willing to say no. They'll go, you know what? I'm just too tired for this. 
and because I got to be ready to take care of myself. I want to be good from, for other people. And then there's a section of people, but those are also people like if they miss something, they'll reschedule it. Like mm -hmm. they don't have you tell them, they go, I need to reschedule this. Here's when I'm available. When are you available? Let's make sure we get this done. They're mm -hmm. organized people. I'm, I'm building this profile of people who like, they, they value it. But then there's, I would say that's not a lot of people from my opinion. I think the majority of people are very good intention based people. They want to sleep more. They, they want to eat well. They want to exercise, but then they say, I should do this. I should do that. But it doesn't mean anything. It's mm -hmm. just words. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably the majority of people that I've seen is I'm not seeing a change. Honestly, it's really weird. I don't, I see it like the people I work with that are really motivated. Boom. They're good. But the, so many more of them are just not like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think I heard this quote, I was doing my, um, precision nutrition health coaching certification. And I heard the quote that motivation doesn't just happen. It takes an action to create motivation. And I think it's so true. Like people just think they're going to wake up and they're going to be like, Hey, I want to eat vegetables. I want to like do this. But until they actually do it and feel the effects of, Hey, I'm sleeping better. I'm losing weight. I'm able to think better. All of these benefits that's when they get the motivation. And I think people to understand that value and what they have to really buy in before really that motivation is going to come is super important. It is. It's, it's a strange piece, though, I think, because, you know, if you look at the statistics related to it, it's really low. The buy-in is extremely low mm -hmm. in the country. Mm -hmm. And I remember years ago, it was like, okay, 20% of the population is adhering to regular exercise. And, you know, honestly, there's been a lot of exercise physiologists, researchers who have even have said, and this is cutting edge stuff, that number is more like eight to 10%. It's mm -hmm. really not like 20%. Mm -hmm. And I think I fight with that. I'm like, man, that's, it, it feels discouraging. Mm -hmm. You know, or if you see the same actions that happen every year at this time of year leading into January, it's mm -hmm. this weird psychology of now I'm going to try. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to do this again. And then we as a society, we fall back into that same pattern literally every year. It's not like there's this big awakening and everybody's like, you know, I'm done with New Year's resolutions and getting healthier. Like, right. I'm just going to make it my thing. It's like every year is the same thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think the bottom line is people, what I find with my clients is a lot of them have the all or nothing approach. Mm. Like either you're going to be all in and you're going to do everything or you're going to do nothing. And I think that's where the problem lies is people want to either be great or be nothing. And it's finding that middle ground to say, hey, you know what? If you're at least exercising two days a week instead of zero, or if you're exercise or if you're eating vegetables three times a day instead of zero times, like that is still moving you in the positive direction and doesn't make it seem like you're doing absolutely nothing. It's so interesting you say that because you know it's it's I think it's difficult sometimes for me to hear when people say things that are di you're disappointed by, you know, mm -hmm. like I was on the phone with somebody the other day and they were like, Oh, and I, I was finishing up an ex I was working out and I got on the phone. I was like, Ooh, tired after working out. And they're like, Oh, I should be doing that. That dreaded should be word, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, I'm just so busy. I don't just have, I don't have time for that. And it's like those statements. It's like, ah, uh, why are you mm -hmm. telling me that? Don't say mm -hmm. that. It's totally not true. Mm -hmm. You're not prioritizing it or, if they can't work out once a week, it's just not worth it. I'm like, well, maybe that's going to lead to twice a week at some point down the line as you get into it. And that it really is. It's like, if I can't do this, I'm just going to not do it. You know? Yeah. And I think it all stems back to, you said the word, but priorities, like our priorities as a society are just all screwed up. 
And I think, you know, I always see these quotes about how people will spend, you know, $100 shopping, you know, to buy a purse or they'll buy, you know, the latest electronics or they'll, you know, go out to dinner with their friends or whatever. But we're so apprehensive to spend a hundred bucks on nutrition, a hundred bucks on personal training, a hundred bucks on a massage. Like if people don't value that and have that as a priority, it's really hard to shift their thinking into, hey, you know what? Like you're going to be spending this money down the road when you aren't taking care of yourself, unfortunately. And that's a harsh reality. It is a harsh reality. You know, it's. These days, you know, you, you can go out to dinner uh, with your partner or friends and all that, and you drop hundreds of hundred dollars, no problem, at a restaurant. Yeah. No problem. But and it's, it's funny. Is The quality is not good either. For most places, <laughs> the quality is not good, and you're spending all this money. And I tried to say, hey, you know what? It's probably more beneficial for you just to make something at your house. You can control it. You know exactly what's going in it. And... It's so easy. It is easy. But it's you're right, though, as people will say, you know, then when somebody reaches out about, let's say it's nutrition, personal training, whatever, stretch therapy, the cost is the deciding factor for mm-hmm. people completely. Mm-hmm. When, you know, it's not always the case in other things. You go out to a restaurant, the, you know, the, the cost is a factor, but people go, oh, I'm just hanging out with friends and stuff. Whatever. We're going to have a good time you know, I'll blow a little money here and there. It's just, that's, that's why I always think the psychology piece is like, if somebody comes to me and they're like, well, I want to lose a bunch of weight. I'm like, I don't know that I'm the person for you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is much more of a nutritional aspect than just the exercise component of it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's just not, doesn't work that way, you know? Right. And that's why I think it's so important um, to have a, a good team you're working with. Cause you know what, like, especially with me and health coaching, like I can only do so much like nutritionally, or I can only have so much knowledge, but I think especially in this day and age, people just try to do it all, which you can get yourself into trouble. Like if you're not an expert, I know, I mean, I know plenty about exercise, but I am not an expert and that's not my field. So I need that support system to say, Hey, so-and-so, I want you to go work with Darian on your exercise. He's right. going to hold you accountable there. I'm going to hold you accountable with our nutrition. But then again, it goes back to that cost factor of saying, okay, now I got to pay the personal trainer. I got to pay my dietitian. I got to pay my massage therapist. And it comes back to the money. But if they truly value it, you need a team to, to hold you accountable to get you the best results. And that's what I've seen with, with um, you know, the clients I've had. I mean, I have clients over a decade, you know, and they're just, they're so consistent, but they understand that team approach. They're like, yeah, this is just part of my life. This is where I'm spending this money at. And mm-hmm. uh, we're just going to go. It's not even a question for them. They don't even think about it. Now, now many of them are much more well off, so it's not as much of an issue. But I always tell people, listen, man, you, you could afford it. Mm-hmm. Do you have a budget? And I've talked to people. I'm like, well, instead of asking me how much it costs, why don't why don't we talk about do you have a budget? Do you budget your expenses and things that you spend? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people go, no. And I'm like, that's your first mistake. Like, you don't know how much you're spending. How can I tell you how much it costs if you don't even know how much you're spending in your life? Right. Of course you can't afford it. You don't know what you're spending on. But what if you did have a budget? and you were looking at where am I spending my money, you may be able to move them some things around and go, maybe this is more affordable than I thought it was. But a lot of people don't budget. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't understand what's going in and out on a regular basis. Right. And then again, relating that back to your priorities and saying, okay, here's my budget. Here's where I'm spending money. Like, where can I pull from so I can pull to something that's going to help support, like, what my ultimate goal is. And I've had plenty of clients who like at the beginning, they were like, no way. Like I don't have the funds. And then you work with them and they see those results and they get, get encouraged. 
And then guess what? Those are my clients who are, are scrounging and saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to make this possible. I'm going to do whatever I can to make it happen. And those are the unique clients that I wish everyone would be like. I mean, I have this one client who's really like, she's really pinching pennies. And she's like, I won't give this up, though. I know like this has been so positive for me in all areas of my life, not only just nutrition, but a support system. And so if you really want it to happen, like you can make it happen. Yeah, I I think it's much more affordable than people understand with that. But what's the uphill battle people are fighting with? You had mentioned like social media and pop culture and things of that nature. Are are you fighting? Are you seeing a lot of that? patient and uh, clients you're talking with are like very influenced by all those things I would say um more so I in my younger generation like my teens my mid-20s like my younger clients that's where I really see it the older generation didn't grow up grow up with social Mm -hmm. media it's just fascinating. I think we're all in these in this this health and wellness field, and I feel like more and more we're getting exposed to it. You see commercials on TV; it's becoming more of a relevant thing, but the the gauge hasn't moved <laughs> so much. You know, it's not like there's these mm-hmm. people are running to become healthier constantly, and mm-hmm. I'm having these conversations with other professionals like yourself. I'm like, what is it that we're missing that mm-hmm the needle hasn't changed that much as, as a society. I mean, in total, you know, like there's people who are very successful. A lot of people are doing good things, but as a society, we're, we're drastically not meeting any type of normal aspect of this. Yeah. And I think one of my biggest frustrations just from a society standpoint, and this is a huge topic of discussion, but our food industry, Mm -hmm. I get so frustrated. Like, we know as a society McDonald's probably isn't the best solution long term or we know that like some of these big companies who produce cereal or breads or whatever like we know that that is not helpful for our health and why do we as a society allow those things to still be produced because you know what like those products are addictive so, hey, I have one Twinkie. I'm going to have six Twinkies because right. of the sugar and stuff that's in there. So I always say as a society, as our values need to be changed in our whole health realm to say, we're not going to allow these products to be made. We're going to ban these substances. It's just probably like what you see with the health and wellness, like performance supplements. Like your clients probably come to you with all these crazy, you know, their pre-workouts might have, 600 milligrams of caffeine in it like how was that even allowed you know i think what's interesting is like what like with food it's such a hot button topic you know there's now with the streaming technology there's so many documentaries out there about keto plant-based diets it's like a minefield of what's hot and nutrition and and dieting and somebody watches something and it moves them. They go, oh, this must be for me. I have to do that. How do you, how do you combat that when you know, something's out like that and you're like, oh, I'm not so sure about this? So usually what I try to do with those type of things is I always tell people that everybody's individualized. So what I tell one person might be something completely different than I tell a different person. Just because it depends on your body type. You know, you might be more muscular built. You might might be more thin. You might um, have certain genetics. You might have a certain environment that you're exposed to. And what I try to do is I try to evaluate. And I say, one, like, what do you like? Because, yeah, you can come to me and say, Kayla, I want to do keto because I want to lose weight. But what I challenge them to think about and challenge their thinking is, are you going to be able to do this long term? And will you enjoy it? And would it, will it ultimately get you to your goals? Because I have plenty of clients who've come to me and said, I did keto. It worked great. I lost 20 pounds. And now I'm on this plateau and I don't know what to do. 
Well, one, again, I don't necessarily think anything is good or bad, but I think when you get to the very extremes is when things aren't maintainable and you aren't getting all the nutrients, especially with something like keto. I worry about, are you getting all the micronutrients? Because, hey, guess what? A lot of your micronutrients, a lot of your fiber, a lot of your antioxidants, a lot of your super valuable things, believe it or not, come from carbohydrates. So, you know, we have to evaluate, do you thrive off of a higher fat diet? Well, if that's the case, yeah, but we're still gonna supplement you with some carbs and that might come from vegetables. It doesn't have to come from, you know, sweet potatoes or rice or quinoa or whatever it have be. But what my philosophy is, everybody's individualized. And I, what I try to do is support that with the science and what we know. You know, anyone can come out with a research study and say, hey, you know, but is it actually reliable? What sources are they using? Who sponsored the study, especially in those documentaries? It's like they get the, them founded by their own company who's doing these biased research. So you really, in nutrition, you have to look at the validity and is it quality and not just something that's made up that they want to make money off of. I think that's the difficult part is that um, like someone like yourself, someone like me, like I know how to read research studies. You know, I've, I've taken classes that literally taught you how to read research studies. Mm-hmm. and methodology and statistical analyses and meta-analysis, a whole thing, you know, that mm-hmm. is a foreign language to your layperson. Mm-hmm. But the layperson gets this information through a documentary on Netflix, and then they say, oh, this is science-based. This is backed up by science, you know. I, I think of, like, you know, kind of the recent uh, surge in documentaries have been about plant-based eating. Mm-hmm. And oh, everybody should go plant-based, but then you understand, like, what if that was the case? Like, how would you, how would you deal with not having uh, animals for me? What would happen to all those animals then? Right. You know, like, what? And some thing- people don't do well on a plant-based, plant-based diet, and some people do. Like, it's not the cure for everybody. Right, and that's where I was just going to say, like, for me, myself, like, I don't tolerate legumes well. Like, It's not that they're bad for you, but like if I feel not good after I eat them, why would I recommend to my client or even to myself, hey, you should go to a plant-based diet? Or hey, another thing that especially I would say, I work with a ton of women who are either pre-menopause, you know, menopausal, whatever it may be, but your hormones are fluctuating. And one of the biggest challenges that I have is something called estrogen dominance. And guess what? A lot of plant-based sources have soy in it, which, hey, if you're already estrogen dominant, you store weight in your hips and your thighs. I wouldn't recommend that to them. So I think it just, it, it goes back to that everybody's an individual. I my brother actually it's funny you say that plant-based diet because all of a sudden he said Kayla I'm gonna go vegetarian because he watched that documentary and I said (laughs) great like I'm happy you're gonna make a shift in your health goals but let's let's talk more about the why's like why do you think this is important why do you think this is gonna be good for you do you think it's maintainable and he couldn't really give me the answers and so I think once you have that conversation with your clients, it's not putting them down or saying they can't do it, but really having, having an honest conversation with them to say, hey, is this really the best case scenario for you to reach your goals and what you want to accomplish? Because there is no one fits all. I think, and I think that like, we inherently know that, but we do not follow it. <laughs> we see something that is, all these people are doing so well on a plant-based diet or these people are just crushing eating meat all the time let's do that Um, like i feel like we inherently know like i don't feel good when i eat this or that but we just we just do stuff or we get swayed by popular opinion or mm -hmm. somebody tells us this has been this has been studied. There's research. They don't know whether it's peer-reviewed or, you know, if it's a meta-analysis of, 
various things. Who's this funded by? They just believe it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I think that's that's part of the struggle is we're fighting this battle against people who are like, I'm good at marketing this to people. And I know people are going to buy this because it's on Netflix. This is a big platform. I have a platform, a voice to make sure that people will see this and be guided by that. I think that is a big struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, as people sometimes, they said they watch something, they go, that's it, I'm going plant-based. You're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. let's think about this first, you know? Absolutely. And I think the crazy thing is there's so much out there. And that's one of the other things. Clients will actually come to me, maybe not on a fad, but say, hey, Kayla, I've heard about the keto diet. I've heard about paleo. I've heard about intermittent fasting. Like, what do I even do? What do I even eat? I'm so confused of what to even do anymore. And then that's when, you know, you can really encourage them to say, what do you feel good off of? What are your goals and how can we customize a plan that's going to help you reach that? I mean, I can tell you, you know, the pros and cons, but if I don't know you as an individual, I can't say it's going to work or it's not going to work because I don't know. (laughs) And then the last thing of it all is I say, hey, okay, if you want to try plant-based, let's assess. Let's do a body scan, test your autonomics, test everything day one. And at the end of the month or two months, hey, let's do another assessment. And that scan will say, hey, that plant-based diet that rocked for you or that was absolutely not the answer. So I think a lot of healthcare professionals and in the health and wellness realm, we forget that, hey, the best tool is assessing. Like if we can assess different areas and say, the research will show like, hey, you gained five pounds of muscle and lost five pounds of fat. Like this is perfect for you or no, you actually went the wrong direction. So I think sometimes that can speak for us in and of itself. I totally agree with that. I think assessment is really under, underused or underreported to clients and say, because I, I do this all the time and clients say, hey, well, listen, I, I want to do this. I want to do that. And, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not sure if that's going to work. And then they say, well, I want to, I want to have this happen in two or three months. I'm like, I have no clue if that's going to happen. Well, like, you're the, you're the professional. I'm like, yeah, I literally have no clue. <laughs> it's going to work. I'm like, and neither do you, by yeah. the way. I'm like, you know what exercise to me, that's why the exercise and nutrition are so interesting because they're, they're, they're both similar in that exercise is the same way. If you, there's been tremendous longitudinal research studies. You can take, but people related to each other, twins, all these people, you can give them the same exercise program over many, many years, and they'll respond to it completely different. Right. Completely different. You could have people who you literally do every variable, you control their exercise, their environment, and their, say, cardiovascular exercise. They can have a 0% change in their VO2 max up to 93%. These are people related to each other. Right. So right. I don't know. If it's going to work for you, I can only implement these interventions. We can try it and then we can adjust. We can assess and see what does work well. But if somebody promises you, yeah, this exercise program or this nutritional approach is going to work, Mm -hmm. that's not, you don't know that. You literally don't know if that's true. Yeah. What's your, do you, what's your view on metabolics and uh, metabolic assessments and all of that type of stuff? Do you do a lot of metabolic testing? No, no. I actually spend a lot of time understanding the psychology of the person, the the psyche of the person. Because first and foremost, I want to know whether they have the mindset to want to do it. Are they actually ready? Mm -hmm. I actually don't think people are always ready. They might think they're ready. They come to the table. I want to do this. I want to get in better shape. I'm like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know what that word shape means. Like, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Or... You want to lose weight. Again, I'm like, that's, we need to understand what is the psychology behind you wanting to lose weight? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So I have, I used to do a tremendous amount of like metabolic testing of kind of your very sub VO2 maximal testing, Wingate testing. And I started learning the longer I got in the business that honestly, people didn't care about it. They mm-hmm. really didn't want those metrics 
I started to learn that people were thriving on the relationship we were having with each other. Mm-hmm. Could I create a really amazing social, emotional relationship with a person where then they would buy in to what I told them, work for them mm-hmm. over time versus this transactional relationship that felt very cold. So my whole approach is really social, emotional based. And if you feel like you can trust me, then you're more likely to listen to my advice, which is, I don't know if this is going to work, but I know if we show up regularly, we assess over time, we, we understand how you respond. Just like with clients, I, if somebody tells me they want to work out five days a week, I'm like, no way, no way. Mm -hmm. I'm like, one, if you accept that, then you're just trying to get money off of them completely. Because mm-hmm. you got to understand the, re- the rest to work ratio recovery aspects of those things. Somebody who's never exercised and they start exercising five days a week, they're toast that first week. They're done. Right. Right. Their level of soreness, paralysis they're going to have from exercise is going to be so intense for them. They may not come back. Right. Right. And I think that's the thing that I always try to remind myself of and, you know, other professionals is this isn't about you and making money. This is like to do the right thing for your client. You are setting them up for success and there is a science to doing that. If I were to say, hey, I expect you to do eight servings of vegetables per day. Yeah, would that be great for somebody? Yeah, but is that realistic for them? No, like you need to know what's best for them and what they know that they can do consistently. Yeah, you know what, one of the things I do, this is, this is a signature thing I do when I work with clients and they tell me I want to exercise four or five days a week. I'm like, we're going to start out with one to two. And they're like, why? And I'm like, I have no clue how your body's going to respond to this program that we're going to do. Literally, mm-hmm. I need to know how you feel after the first couple of sessions. Do we need longer recovery between uh, the workouts or do you have like a really a high super compensation level? If you're like in your 40s, 50s, you're certainly going to need more recovery time between workouts. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes into this that we just don't know. We, mm-hmm. I have good scientific principles that lay down the foundation. But yeah, there's some of my clients who are animals. I mean, they could come back regularly and hit mm-hmm. it hard. They have a tremendous genetic component for recovery. And, and if they've trained already for a long time, that's a little different. But if somebody comes to me and they're like, hey, you know, I just want to I want to go from zero to 60. I'm like, this is not smart. This is not a smart plan. Let's start with one day and then we will ramp you up to more days or a longer period of time over time. Now, as a professional to another professional, does that mean I'm not going to make a lot of money in the beginning? Yeah. But if I gain their trust. If I do it the way that I know the science tells me and then I observe and I obsess. I'm more likely to have their money on a longer term basis over many, many years than loading it up front. So I'm doing the right thing and I'm building security, building a relationship with that. I don't tell somebody I meet for the first time, like, I love you. you Right. I don't know you. (laughs) (laughs) It takes time. I absolutely agree with that. And part of the thing is building that client relationship and, you know, it is a huge step for people. And it is hard for people to put themselves on the line and say, hey, I need help. Asking for help, help isn't easy. But being able to accept that and say, hey, like, I'm going to get to know you. What are your goals? What can we do to make this the best case scenario for you? Yeah. And, you know, if somebody says, hey, I just want to, and there's the opposite. And people say, hey, I just want to do once a week. I'm like, okay, let's start with that. Let's see how you feel. Mm-hmm. And over time, either they stay with that or, you know, I might make a suggestion down the line, like you're doing really well, you're responding very well to these, this program. I think, you know, we need a little more volume out of this. If you added another day, you know, look at your budgeting, see what works best for you. If not, it, if you can't, you really can't, I totally get that, but let's at least explore it. But Absolutely. no problem on either side. If you can, great. If you can't, totally understand that. But I'm trying to provide overload. I'm trying to provide a more stimulus as I see what's happening. What, what do they respond to? And I just can't jump and in, jump into the water 
and go, yep, you're going four or five times a week, man. I'm like, I have no clue how you're going to respond to this. I just mm -hmm. don't know. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think nutrition exercise is similar. Somebody wants to go on this drastic nutritional change after eating McDonald's and Kentucky Fried Chicken constantly, and all of a sudden they're like, I'm just turning everything over. I'm like, maybe let's let's ease into this a little bit. Right. <laughs> you know, like, right. It's that all or nothing approach. And it's I, all or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And I say, wow. let's work on one thing, one or two things at a time, get those consistent, wow. and then we build. We continuously build on top of that. But if you don't even have the core concepts and the core wow. basics, we need to get back to those and make those habits and then build on it. It's the, the people come to me all the time. I want macros. I want macros. Well, if you don't even know what the right macros are to eat, how can I set you up for success long term? So I always, it's the same thing with exercise. Why would you give somebody a CrossFit workout? They've never worked a day in their life. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. So start with the basics, start with things that you know are safe, that they enjoy, that they like, and then you just build on it. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's an underrepresented aspect of, I think, doing businesses. I think you hit it on the head is assessment. I really am thinking about that more because I don't know that I never thought, I really thought about what I did, what I do is as assessing, but it's definitely what I'm doing. Sounds exactly what you're doing is you're assessing and you're not just taking and saying, Hey, mm -hmm. this is what we're doing. You're saying, okay, I don't know you. Like I, any mm -hmm. professional that claims to tell you they have lightning in a bottle in two or three months, they're crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. they're, they're, not, they're not telling you the truth. The truth is, I have no clue what's going to happen. Right. But I know that if we just do this together, we're going to get to know each other a little bit more. We're going to create a relationship. We're going to see how you feel after doing this. Mm -hmm. It's just like dating somebody. Maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. You know, I mean, it's like... right? And everybody, and not everybody's a right fit. Like you, yeah. you know, I have clients who are like, you know, I've learned a lot, but I just, you know, maybe this isn't the right time for me, or maybe this just right isn't the right fit. Kind of your philosophy, and that's okay. You're gonna, you're not gonna win every every battle, but if you can have those core foundations things and how you work with clients and like that at the end of the day is is what matters is building those great client relationships that they can trust you that you, they they trust that when you're assessing you're going to do the right thing so what do you see as kind of the future of nutrition dietetics where where are we had i know we talked a little bit about genomics and i'm 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 fairly familiar about that i've been really been into that but What's the long-term approach? I know people say, I don't know. I don't know what's happening down the line, you know, but where do you want to see it going? I think, I definitely think that nutritional genomics and genes is going to have a huge role down the future. I continue to think that testing is going to get more and more advanced as far as, you know, in the last five, 10 years, you know, gut health has become super, super yeah. That's one of my biggest passions is gut health and helping people with leaky gut, you know, with any GI disruptions. And I think continuing to learn more about the gut is the wave of the future, too, because if we know that's our major way of absorbing, digesting, utilizing our nutrients, there's a direct connection from our gut to our brain so if our gut's not happy you better know your brain's not going to be healthy being able to function correctly and be the best person that you can be and so i think there's so much more research to come about how the brain and the gut are related and what can we do con to continuously fuel our body with the right foods for our gut and so i think that in nutritional genomics I think are going to play a huge role in, in still what's to come. Do you think you'll see things shifting where more people will be, well, let me back up. Cause you know, I feel like I've a lot of trends for going for 2020 is about self-care, but is it self-care for people who have the means for self-care or is there going to be maybe a larger movement in self-care again, the, not, the research is not supporting that more people are getting into this. It's that popular culture is telling us, hey, 
more people are doing this, but the actual numbers aren't lining up to that. So, yeah. Yeah, self-care is a booming topic right now. Um, kind of going back to our conversation, I think there's a lot of different versions of self-care. Self-care doesn't have to be just meditation. It could be just doing something that you enjoy that's not stressful. Like there's a lot of different ways you can look at self-care. But I think as a society, just slowing down is the major concept. It's not self-care really. It's just taking a step back Mm -hmm. saying, have I even taken a breath today? Like, or have I been running around like a chicken with my head cut off? Like, I think that's the biggest thing is we just over, over, overdo everything and our cups just overflowing with stress. And we just need to dial that back. A lot of times with my clients, honestly, I dial their goals back rather than speed them ahead. Because that's just our nature. We want to go, 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 go. But we have a hard time dialing it back. I think you're right. And you know, like what we're doing right now is the biggest reason why I do my podcast is because this is allotted time to speak with somebody about something that is interesting, that expands your mind and it's interaction. Mm-hmm. It's this interaction that we're we're losing it. You know, like if you ask somebody... Did you have an hour conversation today with somebody about nutritional approaches, exercise, pop culture? Probably not. I'm telling you, most people are not doing this. No. And I think it's important that these conversations are happening in many ways to show people like we're human beings. This is what we've always done. This is, an, this is ancient in us. We tell stories. We sit by the fire. We converse. We, we learn from each other. We pass down oral history you know, from each other. Let's not lose that. Right. And also surround yourself with, you know, positivity and people who build you up. There's this huge thing about finding your tribe that those people that support your goals, the people who want to be with you, the people who are like you. I think so, so many times we try to be somebody where we're not, or we try to fit in with people we're not, or, hey, I want to lose weight, but my friends like to go out and drink every weekend, or they like to, you know, eat fast food or whatever it is. There's no good or bad. But if you find like people who support not only what you want to do, but also supports what they want to do, those are the type of people that you need to surround yourself with. Well, it's really interesting because, um, you know, I'm sure you hear, you know, we're in a really weird time, man. It's like, politics and everything people go the country is more divided and i was just talking to my wife about this i'm like yeah but i don't feel that like my daily life is not about that i my my daily life is very positive very mm-hmm. you know surrounded by really wonderful people i don't feel the divisiveness but i also don't allow that in my life either mm-hmm. i'm not sitting there absorbing all this negative commentary mm-hmm. i'm not doing, I'm not submitting negative commentary. I, I call it uh, like negative networking. I was telling uh, this guy, Tyler was on my podcast. I said, there's so much negative network working going on. He's like, what is that? I'm like, either you're spouting negative commentary online, offline to people, you're getting riled up by Fox News or CNN or MSNBC, then you're taking it out on somebody or somebody says something and you get all worked up. I'm like, you're just, you're buying into the divisiveness. I'm like, instead of curating a life that has nothing to do with that, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel divided, the country's divided. My mm-hmm. personal everyday liberty is very positive. Mm-hmm. It's not, so I think the world is often what people are telling us, the stress, the amazingness. It, it, it's just, it's what you're allowing yourself to be pushed into on a regular basis for that. Absolutely. And I always tell people, you choose who you associate with. Like, that's your choice. You can say no to things. Like, surround yourself with those positive influences. And you're going to have a positive experience versus somebody, if they're always negative, hey, guess what? That's probably the way your mind's going to transition because we're <laughs> creatures of habit. We are. I mean, if you're out there you know, doing weird stuff, going to crazy rallies, yelling at people and stuff like that. I mean, that's going to be your life, you know, Mm -hmm. like you're going to grow whatever you grow. You're going to, you're going to plant something. It's going to be positive or negative. Both will grow. Mm -hmm. One of those will grow. It's not like they won't grow. This isn't like, 
planning something in a season and, oh, you know, it was a bad batch or something. Oh, no, no, no. It's, this will grow, positive or negative. It will happen. It's just where, where are you on that? Are you choosing that? And I get it. There's, there's certainly underserved communities and places where it's very difficult to overcome the really terrible circumstances that people are in. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not immune to that. I, I totally am sympathetic to that. But there's a lot of life that is totally under human control. And you mentioned that. It's, mm -hmm. You have a lot of control. How are you exercising that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I totally, totally agree with that. You know, so I just, it's just an interesting thing. I, the more I do these things, the more I chat with people, I, I learn from it. And I stretch my mind thinking about these conversations that we're having, you know, so... But Kayla, thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy, like everybody's busy, right? We're, but we slowed down to have a conversation. I think that's really important. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And you know what? My goal is to slow down so that, you know what, I can help reach more people. My goal is to help as many people, touch as many people, educate, empower, be that positive voice in people that makes people motivated, want to change want to really, you know, make um, health decisions for themselves. Definitely. So appreciate you having me on today. And it's been a great, great experience. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Kayla. Have a great rest of your day. Yeah, thank you. You too. All right. Bye. Bye.